Well, I've got your keys for every Pac-12 game this week, and there are six of them in total. Oregon State and UCLA have one thing in common. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free, but until then, a beloved and loaded conference of champions like comment subscribe rate review please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show which today is brought to you by linkedin jobs these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business that's why linkedin jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply keys prime picks game predictions got it all coming up on today's show and then a quick little tidbit about nil uh to wrap things up but the game of the week in the pac-12 oregon state and washington state we'll start there and i'll go through the biggest key to victory uh there are kind of the the key that will decide the game if it goes one way favors one team goes the other way i think favors the other team let's start with the game of the week in the pac-12 oregon state and washington state in pullman nationally televised should be an awesome game a lot on the line something i was thinking about the other day that's on the line here as well is oregon state and washington state both have really favorable schedules and neither one have been to a pac-12 championship game before and this is the first step towards getting there in what is you know the last year of the pack as we know it the key in this game is dj uyunglele if Oregon State goes into Pullman, which is going to be rocking on Saturday, if he goes in there and gets comfortable early, and this is a balanced Oregon State offense that can throw the ball down the field at all three levels and run it effectively behind what I believe is the best offensive line in the Pac-12, that benefits Oregon State greatly. And if DJ Uyunglele is completing 65 to 70% of his throws, and doesn't throw more than one interception, I think Oregon State has a really good chance to win the game. Now, on the flip side of things, if he is uncomfortable, and I feel this way about Washington State's quarterback Cam Ward as well, a lot of similarities between these two. They, they, you know, Their styles are certainly not exactly the same, but when both play really well, it looks awesome, and it is awesome for their teams. I think Cam Ward is more important to Washington State because I trust Oregon State's running game more, But when both play poorly, they're completing a low percentage of passes and they're turning the football over. That's what DJU did against San Diego State at some level. Of course, Oregon State was so much better, it didn't matter. It's going to matter a heck of a lot in this game. So I trust DJ, or I trust Cam Ward rather at home more than DJU on the road. But if you tell me right now that DJ Uyunglele goes for 260 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and goes, uh, you know, 24 of 30 passing the ball, I think Oregon State wins the football game. But if he struggles and Oregon State has to get one dimensional against this Washington State defense, that is not a good place to be. So he's the biggest key right there, more so, I think, than, uh, than, than Cameron Ward. UCLA at Utah. I just just because I trust Cam Ward to play better being at home, though he's also going up against a difficult defense. 
UCLA at Utah. This is what Oregon State and UCLA have in common. They are trying to take their quarterbacks, who are both one-time five-star recruits, and get them comfortable in a hostile road environment against a good defense with great defensive coaches. Jake Dickert, Kyle Whittingham are building the best defenses in this conference year in and year out since they have taken over as the head coaches of their respective programs. And Dante Moore is tested is going to be tested for the first time this week. It looks like Cam Rising is going to play. What does that do for my feeling on Utah and the Pac-12 prime picks? Stay tuned. That comes later in the show. But Dante Moore's success will define this game. If you tell me right now that Dante Moore is not able to find his footing, they have to put in Ethan Garbers a little bit, they're going back and forth because neither guy's outplaying the other, Utah is going to win this game pretty comfortably. But if he lives up to the hype, which he has through three weeks so far, this is his first Power 5 opponent, it's a pretty rude introduction to playing Power 5 college football. Here you go. Here's your first Power 5 game. Who's it against? Oh, Utah. Oh, well, you have them at home, right? No, you get them on the road. You get to go to Rice-Eccles Stadium where the Utes haven't lost a home game with fans in the stands since 2018 to the eventual Pac-12 champion, Washington Huskies. That's the last time Utah lost in the stadium. Good luck, Dante. Have fun. Now, if he does well, UCLA is capable of winning the football game because Cam Rising, who's going to play, it appears, is certainly not going to be at 100%. And Utah's got a good offensive line, but UCLA's got a nasty front four. And if they pressure Cam Rising, I don't trust his mobility playing for the first time this year the way that I normally would to try and extend plays and keep it alive. And that UCLA front four, uh, led by Lai Tulatu, is is quite, quite good. But the biggest key in this game is Dante Moore's success. Dante Moore has to be able to not necessarily be great, like DTR was for you know many years, specifically last year in the Utah game. He doesn't have to be that level. The offense doesn't have to go through him. This is a team that wants to and is capable of running the football a lot. But you can't be one-dimensional against Utah. So Dante Moore, DJ Uyunglele, give the Beavs and the Bruins uh, something in common here. Colorado at Oregon. Biggest key here. Can Colorado get stops that aren't turnovers? So far, the answer this season has been no, not really. Or no, not at all. Now, they have had some key individual stops throughout the course of the season. That is true. Much like USC's defense last year, they have been most successful when turning over their opponent. Bo Nix has not thrown an interception yet through three games. He's only played one power five team. Totally fair. He and the offense in the games they have played have looked very good. And Oregon has not been super turnover prone so far this season. In fact, I don't think they have a turnover this season. So if Colorado can get stops, they can hang around in this game. I think Oregon's defense is going to be tested by Shador Sanders especially the secondary. I expect Sean Lewis to orchestrate a lot of the quick passing game that they've had success with so far this year to try to neutralize what is an advantage for the Ducks in the trenches when you're talking about Oregon's defense against Colorado's offense. And I think that if Colorado's defense, you don't even necessarily have to get outright stops that are punts, but if you just hold Oregon to field goals, stiffen in the red zone, maybe play a bend, don't break, don't give up the big play, make Oregon move the ball, and get off the field to force them to take three instead of getting seven, that's how Colorado hangs around in this game. Otherwise, I think Oregon's offense is a lot to handle. They have a lot of weapons, a lot of depth, fifth-year quarterback, and Colorado's defense just hasn't been consistent enough for me to feel good about them otherwise. But if they are able to do that, 
they can have success in the football game and hang around. And then we've seen them do it before. Big underdog, just like they are against Oregon at TCU. They went in, won the football game. No one's sitting here saying it can't happen. I don't think it will, but that's what has to happen if the Buffs are going to win this football game. They have to be able to get stops and not be reliant on turnovers. Or, hey, force four turnovers, uh, that'd work as well. I don't think you can go into a game expecting that to happen. How about Arizona at Stanford? This is a game that, look, not a lot of people are going to pay as much attention to nationally because Stanford is involved. Stanford might not win another game this year. Maybe they could. I hope they do. I thought they'd go two and ten this year, but you know, in my preseason predictions, they were already done with their wins, and it feels like right now they could uh, be done with their wins. They're twelve and a half point dogs. That game is going to be in the Pac-12 Prime Picks uh, later today for sure. But the key for me is if Stanford is going to pull an upset here, what do you have to do to slow down Arizona? What is what is what happens to Arizona? when they aren't playing their best brand of football. They're not using LinkedIn jobs. No, there's something else that I'm going to get to for sure. But you can be at your best with LinkedIn jobs because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions help you focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college LinkedIn jobs rated number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors by small businesses. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So I was at the grocery store earlier today because I had to load things up in uh, my refrigerator because I was you know mostly out of food in the pantry as well. But I had to get a bunch of things. You ever do that and then just forget something? That's the worst because you either have to go all the way back to the store if you really, really need it or you have to wait until the next day and then you can't stay on track with what you were planning to cook and everything. There's a solution now because if you're missing the syrup for your pancakes, you forgot to get butter or whatever it is, you now can have DoorDash grocery delivery. You can get what you want right when you need it. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value. When you use code Locked On College at checkout, limited time offer terms apply. That's 50% off getting DoorDash groceries up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On College. Don't forget, that's code Locked On College for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, so... What does Arizona do when they're not playing well? Well, they don't take second segment sips, obviously. They don't use LinkedIn jobs, obviously. But mostly, they turn the football over. And that's what it will come down to for Stanford. And I'll tell you right now, I like Arizona in this game. I've always liked Arizona in this game. I think Arizona is a pretty good football team. I think their defense is much improved. Justin Flo, the Oregon transfer, has been racking up the tackles. Their defense looks better. The offense is productive. It just has to avoid the turnovers from Jaden Delora. That is, week in and week out, their most important key. But if Stanford doesn't force turnovers, Arizona's going to move the football. You know why? Everyone's moving the football on Stanford. They, they, they're just, this is a rebuilding year. It's a, you know, no expectation. Forget about it. It's a wash, everything like that. 
If Stanford can't force turnovers, they won't stop Arizona. They they don't have the defensive talent to match up with T Mac and Jacob Cowing and everybody uh, and Jaden Delora at the helm, Wiley at running back. Like I, I just I don't see that. Um, so you have to be able to turn over Delora at least twice, I think, and once maybe down in the scoring area, at least inside the thirty. Um, you know, to thwart a drive that could have resulted in points. I don't think that that happens. Um, they could pick them off maybe once, but overall. Arizona is just a better football team here. They're a big favorite for a reason. That's going to be in the uh, Pac-12 prime picks for sure. USC at Arizona State. Big, big line in this game. There's one key here that we all have to remember, and that's that nothing matters. USC's winning the football game. Cal at Washington. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sun Devil fans, but um, much like Stanford, like those are your bottom two teams in the Pac-12 this year. Much like Stanford, it's it's just it's a rebuild year it's year one you knew it was a rebuild usc is rolling right now trojans have quietly been playing better defense than they showed in week one against san jose state they held stanford to i think it was 10 points they held nevada to 14 that's how better defenses or good defenses play against that caliber of opponent and we'll see what they do this week against asu they should win big and they are favored to win big and i think they will win quite big last key for this weekend's slate of games, Cal at Washington. Now, this game, also in the prime picks, is an interesting one because Cal is coming off a win that didn't feel very good, and Washington is coming off a win that felt very good, and Washington is at home. What is the number one thing you can do as a football team, not as a defense, as a football team to neutralize a great passing attack? Run the football. Jaden Ott is expected to be on the field this week for the Bears, who have been inconsistent running the football. But over the last two seasons, their theme has been the same, and it matters even more in this game, which is how well can the Bears' offense move the ball on the ground? Because if they can do that, I don't think they win this game, but they could hang around, and that's going to be the key to them hanging around, mucking the game up, is keep Michael Penix on the sidelines. Don't give him a lot of chances to come and take shots down the field in front of the home fans who are going to be packed at uh, Husky Stadium for a late-night kickoff. Like, Don't allow them the opportunity to have as many possessions as they want. you got to be able to run the football. Use the new running clock in college football. Keep the Washington offense on the sidelines as much as you can. Try to play good enough defense and hang around. And by the way, they might be able to. So let's move now into the Pac-12 prime picks, which are coming off of a week that I am not proud of. They went 1-4 and four after a 7-3 and three start over the first two weeks. I was riding high, and then we got humbled last week. We got humbled in a big, big way. So sitting at 8-7 and seven through three weeks on the year, it would be really nice to have a four and one. I'd settle for a three and two. Though. I'm trying to get into like the mid to upper fifties uh, on the season. We were just below fifty percent a year ago, which is ee, not where I wanted to be. So, first one. This line has gone up and down and up and down. I'm taking Oregon State minus two and a half. It's not a big number. You know, the number of times that a team wins and doesn't cover a spread that is two and a half points, somewhere in the fifteen percent range, ten fifteen percent. So it's possible it could happen, but you're essentially picking who wins the football game here. I think the answer is Oregon State. I trust the Beavs' offensive line and running game more than Washington State's to give them balance. And I think that Washington State is a good team. Make no mistake about it. But 
I think the Beavs are just going to be a tad too much. I won't be surprised if Washington State wins here at all whatsoever because the Cougs are a good team. And whoever wins, as I said earlier, is a Pac-12 contender because they'll have the schedule to do it and they'll be a team capable of doing it. Like there's so much on the line here. I'm so stoked for this football game. It's going to be fantastic. But I think the Beavs ultimately get it done. FanDuel, who's providing all the lines here for the Pac-12 prime picks, has them laying two and a half. I will swallow that no problem. And I will take Oregon State to win the football game. Full score prediction a bit later in uh, the show. Utah. How about Utah? Cam Rising going to play. Look, won't be at 100%. But if you're giving me that crowd and that defense against a true freshman quarterback who hasn't played a Power 5 team before, I think Utah was going to win this game whether Cam Rising played or not. I don't think it's going to be easy all the time. But last year, UCLA hosting Utah. This is also a revenge game for them because of how that one played out. Now, Utah ended up winning the Pac-12 anyway, of course, but still, a lot of players on this Utes team, I think, remember that. Home field advantage is really important here, especially for the Utes, who have not lost a true home game since 2018, with Cam Rising expected to be back. I don't think that changes. I think this is a game where we see uh, Utah's defense really, really reign supreme. The line has moved out to Utah minus six. I will swallow that. I think Utah uh, will ultimately get it done. Arizona, minus 12 and a half. How about Arizona, minus 12 and a half? I'm locking that one into the Pac-12 prime picks here. Look, Arizona is a good football team. I don't know if they're a great football team. In fact, I don't even think they're a great football team. But are they a good one? Yeah, I think they're solid. And Stanford off a win against Sacramento State, you could say they're in wounded animal mode. You could say they're in the mindset of, well, we got to win this football game. We we got to win this. We got to win this football game because, or well, you know, we we got to show that our season isn't going to be a wash or everything. I don't think it can matter for Stanford. I'm sorry, and I feel the same way about ASU. When you're outmatched, you're outmatched. And Arizona being a double digit favorite at the farm, I think they are that for a reason. I'll I'll, I'll swallow the points there. Uh, Arizona minus twelve and a half. Cal plus 20 and a half against Washington. I would like it more if this were 21 and a half. Last year in this game, I picked the spread correctly. I thought if it was six and a half, it was take Washington in Berkeley. If it was seven and a half, take Cal. Final score, Washington 28, Cal 21. Plus seven and a half, Cal covered. I think they will do it again. The, the I, I don't know that it's having a major impact, but it can help to take away a couple plays here and there, the running clock with the Bears. Look, they have to run the football. They have to run the football. But I think the mindset here for Justin Wilcox and company is we are going to come out and take the air out of the football. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the toss, if they took it first and tried to just keep Michael Penix over on the sidelines. I think Cal's defense, I thought it would be improved coming into this year. It's looked that way through the first few games. Didn't have a great start against Idaho, which is a good FCS program, but still, they shouldn't have scored 17 points. They only should have scored 10. But they held them scoreless for the final few quarters, or final two and a half, three quarters, whatever exactly it was. They went on a 31-0 run. That includes a zero from the defense. I think that this defensive staff is in a good place right now. They played very well against Auburn. They played well against North Texas. They played well enough against Idaho. I think they can play just well enough 
to to cover that 20 and a half points. Last one, USC minus 34 and a half. Minus 34 and a half. You might be saying, Spencer, that's a big number. That is a big, huge, massive, gigantic number. You are correct. It is. It's a really big number. You know why? Because USC is really good and Arizona State is really not. I know they're on the road. It's not going to matter. The fans are not showing up in droves to see this Arizona State team. Maybe they'll show up a bit more to see if they could pull an unexpected upset, what would be, I think, a historic upset for the Sun Devils with with how big of of an underdog they are here. But 34 and a half, yeah, it's a lot of points to swallow. It It is a lot. I got six games to choose from this week. And these are the five that I landed on. I think the Oregon-Colorado one, I would lean towards Oregon covering, but my final game prediction there is 48-27. I think that one's going to be really, really close to in terms of where the point spread is. I think Oregon wins. Uh, their offense, I think, will be too much for the Colorado defense. But the Buffs offense, I expect to be able to move the football. I just don't think they're going to be able to get enough stops uh, against the Ducks. Oregon didn't run it well against Texas Tech. Colorado hasn't been able to stop the running against anybody at, at this point in time. So I think the Ducks get the ground game going. They have balance and they're explosive and have a good quarterback with Bo Nix. So Oregon 48, Colorado 27. UCLA line up to six. Look, should I have perhaps bet it if I were betting on this stuff with my own actual uh, money? TBD. Uh, <laughs> would I have liked it more at four and a half? Yeah, of course. You know, it would have been a sharp play to bet it at four and a half, see the line jump out to six with the Cam Rising news and say, okay, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's that's really really good value there to have an extra point and a half. I think I think Utah is going to be able to get it done. I'll take the Utes thirty-one to twenty-one over UCLA and they cover the minus six. Oregon State, Washington State, game of the week, game of the week. Two good defenses, a good running game in uh, on the Oregon State side of things. I don't think this is a big shootout. I think there's a slugfest component to it. I will take Oregon State to win and cover 24 to 20 at Washington State in Pullman. Arizona, minus 12 and a half. Why do I feel comfortable swallowing that? Because I think they're going to cover by 21 points or win by 21 points, rather. 34 13, the final. Arizona beats Stanford and covers the minus 12 and a half. I don't trust the Cardinal offense against an improved Arizona defense. And I don't trust anything about Stanford's defense with the way they played against USC last week. And I like a lot of things about the Arizona offense. Their running game is a little underrated, but not a feature of the offense. Got great weapons, good quarterback, good coach. I like the Wildcats uh, big there. USC covers the 34 and a half, winning by just enough. I think just enough. 49-13, I've got the final score. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if USC won this game 56-13 to or 63-17. to They're going to score a lot of points on Arizona State. They're going to score a lot of points in this game, as they have been all season long. So I think that's your final score there. Uh, and then the last Pac-12 prime pick, again, Oregon, Colorado is the one I don't have in here because I feel at least certain about it. Washington 38, Cal 20. The Golden Bears on the road for the second straight year lose but cover against the Huskies. Those be the Pac-12 prime picks here in week four. All those lines, by the way, provided by FanDuel Sportsbook. You can snap in action this NFL season and college football with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so 
easy to use. Got a great interface, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season, which is underway, and college football. All the Pac-12 betting that you need is over there. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, wrapping up the show with just a little off-field thing. One of you sent in a mailbag question uh, about this. I apologize. I forgot to jot your name down, but I did not forget about the question because every question I've ever been sent, I answer here on the show. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. The question was about Congress enacting legislation to help the NCAA with NIL. There's some people out there not thrilled about what SMU is doing. They've got a very valuable NIL program. They've just bought their way into the ACC. It's one of the reasons that I had them as one of the top two targets for the Pac-12 in conference realignment back when that was a possibility. That ship has sailed. SMU has found a power five home anyway. In case you were wondering just how much money SMU has in the week following their announcement of joining the ACC, they raised an additional $100 million. It's just not that much money to the people down there. Now, there are, I believe, 30 donors that contributed to that, but that's 30 people who are saying, eh, a few million dollars, whatever. Don't matter. It's okay. I don't need it. Well, I want you to have it, that is. Like, it doesn't doesn't affect my bank account. I can still put food on the table. I can still, uh, you know, pay for my kids to go to college and everything like that. It's all good. It's all good down there at SMU. They have insane amounts of money. Now, their NIL collective has been very active. It is extremely well-funded. And look, NIL is in a space in college football where, you know, I thought at the time when NIL and the portal came out at the same time as being, you know, uh, groundbreaking news stories in college football, I said, look, the portal is going to have a way bigger impact here. I've been right on, on that particular take. Doesn't mean NIL hasn't been a factor. Here's the thing. The best teams in the country, pre-NIL, post-NIL, are still winning at the highest level, and the best teams in the country are still recruiting at the high level. It doesn't look very different. Like If you look at the 2024 recruiting rankings and the 2019 recruiting rankings, are you going to see a lot of differences there? Are you going to see a bunch of teams that just suddenly emerge? No. I mean, you have top kids who were, you know, asking for the Ohio State Athletic Director was talking about how kids are, uh, you know, asking for a few thousand bucks just to go on a visit. I have heard that on more than one occasion. Uh, That does not surprise me. And you have the top kids in college football who are making a lot of money. I mean, if they're worth it, okay, people can put their money wherever they want. I may not think that it's particularly uh, valuable in terms of getting a return on investment, but if they do, that's their prerogative. And who am I to tell them what to do with their money? Now, there are shady components to NIL, and this is where I think legislation would be helpful. However, I'm not counting on it because the NCAA, not exactly known for its competence, and Congress, not exactly known for its ability to get things done, though there might be a more unified bipartisan consensus on on this particular matter, I have little faith that legislation is actually imminent. It could be. But one thing that I think is important to point out in this space and why legislation can be helpful in this world right now is that I don't know if everyone understands that being a sports agent is a licensed business. Like being a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist, there are qualifications and certifications you need. It's not as rigorous as those, to my knowledge, but you have to have 
to be a professional sports agent, a license to do so, a license to practice. What you have in this world of NIL in which it is unregulated and it is everybody go and do whatever you want. And like the NCAA said, yeah, players can do this. And they didn't put up any guidelines or restrictions or anything like that. Where I would like to see some intervention is you have kids who are being exploited by bad actors behind the scenes. This is all over the place. If you talk to anybody who knows what goes on in, in recruiting or NIL, the portal or whatever, kids have people in their ears who make them think they're acting in their own best interests when they're act- actually just self-interested individuals. And there's no regulation on anything like that. Like it's, it's all above ground legal, but still kind of under the table back alley feel to it. It's not great. It's not ruining college football. It's still an area that can be cleaned up, that, that, that can be more efficiently and effectively done. And legislation, I need to see what it is before I say whether or not I, I you know, put my stamp of approval on it. But in theory, there are areas of this that are wildly unregulated that are leading to bad actors getting involved. And I'd support you know, helping kids to uh, you know, give a, a greater structure to the way this all works, I think that could be good. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Enjoy the football this weekend. I certainly will. And until next time, have a wonderful rest of your day.